You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, cranial cronies craving for crack-ups. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 67 and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your bunch of brainy buzzer beholders. I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Just a quick note to start off the show. Obviously, I'm sure all of us fall down the wiki hole a lot. Mm-hmm. And just two nights ago, I fell down a YouTube hole, a wiki hole and YouTube hole together. <laughs> Sometimes they're companions, right, to each other. Best in Show, the Christopher Guest movie, yes. was on TV. And then so I was like, I need to know about all of the winners of Best in Show from the, you know, the well, in real life, the Westminster Kennel Club mm-hmm. shock show. Mm-hmm. So then I decided, okay, I read all the winners and I was like, <laughs> now I need to watch all of the winning clips when they announce oh, the Best in Show. Wow. And I went year by year backwards. You know, I like to see the reaction, the crowd reaction. <laughs> Obviously, my favorite one is Uno the Beagle, with the first Beagle that won Best in oh. Show. That was a big deal. Because, you know, like <laughs> Beagles are like America's dog and just the crowd went wild. <laughs> and then it's so funny because <laughs> I was just in your bathroom, Colin, and... <laughs> You had an issue of Mental Floss, the the trivia magazine. I do. And there's a little dog section in the most recent issue. So I want to ask you guys a quick question. And this may show up uh, in trivia. I feel like it's a good pub trivia question. What breed of dog has won best in show the most number of times? Mm. Poodle? French poodle? Incorrect. Oh, are you going to buzz? You're, you're ready to buzz, Chris. I, if I, well, I'm ready to buzz if inspiration were to strike me <laughs> okay. to think of something. Just in case. How many years has it been around? First of all, it's like over 100 years old or something. Yeah, right? the first the first winning dog, Best in Show, dates back to 1907. <laughs> it was actually okay. a dire wolf. That's how far back it goes. <laughs> Number one winner, according to Breed, is the Wire Fox Terrier. Wow. 13 times. Hmm. Number two. It's almost like Family Feud. Maybe it's like the Mafia or something. <laughs> yeah, that dog. oh. that dog's They pull connected. strings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a terrible mob dog pun. What is it? Go on. La Cosa Nostra. Uh, that's dumb. It's so bad. But that can apply to so many other animals. I know. They, have they all have noses. That's why. We'll workshop that for okay. now. So, yeah. <laughs> give, me, give me a few yeah. more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bonesa Nostra. Look, something, something. Bonestra. Makosa Bonestra. Bonestra. <laughs> that, that sounds weird. Weird. Number two, a uh, dog breed that has won the most number of times is of the Scottish Terrier uh, breed. The Scotty. Oh, Scotty dog. Monopoly dog. Who, what was the breed of the dog that won in the movie Best in Show? It was a terrier. Norwich Terrier. Norwich Terrier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, Norwich... Thank you for having that immediately to yeah, end. Exactly. <laughs> I found a clip of a Norwich Terrier actually winning uh-huh. the Westminster. In the movie, it's Mayflower Kennel yeah. Club. There was a Norwich Terrier that won. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, wondering like, oh, if it was connected, if mm-hmm. it was inspired. So there you go. If that comes up in pub trivia... The answer is wire fox terrier huh. 13 times. Mm. Wow. Our dog is a mutt and thus could not compete in, I know. in such a uh, <laughs> he's a chewiner. A chihuahua dachshund. I believe this weekend at Golden Gate Fields not too far from here they're having the Wiener Nationals which they do once a year. <laughs> do they which, dress the dog like hot dogs? It's little wiener dog races. I don't think uh, they dress them like hot dogs. Cuz there's no. some races where they put them in a hot dog costume. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, just to, well, that's just ridiculous. Yeah, just, <laughs> All this stuff we've far. been talking about so far. Has been <laughs> that's a wiener dog too fine. far. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, let's jump into our first general trivia segment. Pop quiz, hotshot. That's my voice a little bit there. You guys have your buzzers ready. Here we go. Blue Wedge for geography. In what state is Acadia National Park? Acadia must be a is it clue Al- Alaska? Uh uh-uh. uh. Hmm. Oh, because I have no idea. Hmm. Maybe it was. I hope it's not around. California. <laughs> no, it is not. It is Maine. Huh. It has to be famous somehow. I think it may have. It's been like a Stephen King, Stephen King, book King or something. something. Yeah. Mm. 
All right. Pink Wedge, name three, just three, of the six characters in The Village People. Uh, um, police officer. Uh-huh. Ding, 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 ding. Native American. Ding, 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 slash ding, American ding. Indian. Uh, construction worker. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. All right. All right. Biker, biker guy. Ding, 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 ding. And was there a military person? Military? A soldier. Soldier. There you go. Last then, one. Um... Uh, did we yeah. say we said cop? Did we say cop? We said cop. Construction worker. You said I'm a cow- oh, oh, uh, cowboy. 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 Yes, of course. Very good. I like nice. how you can name all six, but uh, no idea where Acadia National Park is. Yeah, I don't even know who's president right now. Priorities. Yeah. Priorities. All right, Yellow Wedge. What was the nickname for a woman who took on a traditionally male job during World War II? Oh, was it a Rosie? Like Rosie the Riveter? Yes, Rosie the Riveter. Oh, really? They just okay. called him Rosie the Riveter? I just thought that was the character. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. Not but like a term for it. Got everybody. applied generally. Okay. Interesting. Huh. All right, Purple Wedge. What group performed the 1994 hit Cotton Eye Joe, which became popular at wedding receptions and sporting oh. events? Darn it. I had that album. I what was it? Me too. Um, they had like one other hit song, but it was. Oh. Mm, was it Rednecks? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Rednecks. With an X at the end. Yes. yes. I was just going to say, it's edgy. Well, it was yeah. the 90s. Yeah. It was. Uh, rednecks are actually from Sweden. Of course. Yeah. Infectious pop music. All right. Green Witch for science. Which snake does not kill by constriction? Multiple <laughs> choice. Okay. Anaconda, uh-huh. python, mm-hmm. or water moccasin? <laughs> I feel like it's the water moccasin. Yes, yeah. water okay. moccasin. That'd be hard snake. to constrict you yeah. when you're in the water. <laughs> oh, that's true. You'd slip right out. Those are those are <laughs> venomous, right? Like I they be- bite. I you. believe so. Yes, yes. it has yeah. a venomous bite. All Don't right. go in the water or oh. or engage nature that's at right. all. Don't go outside that's at the, all. Yeah. The <laughs> overriding if we've learned anything. lesson of good <laughs> yeah. job brain. Don't go Nature's out to get you. Stay Just watch TV, especially if you live in Australia. Yeah. Oh man. Last question, Orange Wedge. How many times did Michael Jordan retire from the NBA? (laughs) (laughs) I believe it was three times. Correct. Can you name all three years? Uh, Let's see. Really quickly, let's see. It was before the 94 season. It was again after the 96 season. And then again, I want to say 2003, 2004. Why don't you just give me the years? All right. Uh, uh, retired in 1993. Okay, right. 1999. Oh, okay. And then 2003. Okay. Oh. Very good job. I only quit playing basketball once. <laughs> that was it's it. Stuck. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So this week, we want to talk about medicine, but not just general medicine. We want not, to not the go- kind that helps you. No, not the kind <laughs> that helps you. We actually kind of want to go into, uh, maybe veer into the territory, wacky medicine, perhaps, offbeat. Or quacky medicine. <laughs> wacky medicine. This week, we're talking about bad medicine. All right, so to kick things off, so I feel like if we're going to talk about bad medicine, we have to talk about quacks. Do you guys know what a quack mm. is? What a sound duck makes. Yeah, it's like, it's like, like, like an incompetent doctor, right? An yeah. inco- yes, an incompetent. Like somebody who pretends to have medical skills. Yeah, yeah. I am unfamiliar with this term. Oh, okay. A I quack. just thought quack was a crazy person. Like, oh, that guy's a loon. That guy's a quack. Mm. Oh, I can I didn't that. know it was like a specific a doctor. There's a doctor term. It tends to specifically be applied be to people who pretend that, uh, you that know. they have some kind of skill that, that they don't have. heal you. Yeah. Right. But it usually has to do with medicine specifically. It comes from the Dutch word quack solver. Sorry, I don't I don't know Dutch, so I'm probably not pronouncing it quite right, but it had to do with somebody who was hawking salve at the market. So they'd shout out that they're selling some kind of medical ointment. So the word quack in Dutch, in old Dutch, means to hawk something or sell something loudly. So it became like, oh, you're wow, selling. That's actually a really good coincidence because it sounds kooky. It sounds <laughs> yeah. weird, yeah. you know? So quacks might sell snake oil to you. Mm. And you know what snake oil, that's a fake medicine. Yeah. Okay. Well, I metaphorically, don't know that term. it's now used just to 
mean all fake medicine or mm-hmm. really just like, you know, you can say a business person is selling you snake oil if they're kind of like using smoke and mirrors and they're selling you a product that's not really going to do what it does. Any, yeah, anything that doesn't do what it's purported to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you guys are opening a whole new world to me. I don't oh. know any of these things. English language idioms. So would you yeah. say like the weird diet drugs they sell on infomercial, would, would you count that as snake oil? Snake oil? I, probably. I think a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. yes. Okay. Are there are a lot of theories about where that term came from. Some people said, oh, when the Chinese immigrants came, they would use snake oil on different injuries. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where it came from. Or there was some ointment that came from Seneca, New York, and it was Seneca oil and it became mm-hmm. snake oil, which mm-hmm. mm, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But then there was actually a case of Clark Stanley snake oil. He was a guy who sold something called snake oil. You could put it on your back. You could put it on your sore tooth. Yeah, there actually are yeah. like pictures of bottles out there of, of snake, oil. snake oil. Yeah. And so he was this the king of rattlesnakes and he was just, <laughs> it was supposed to have extract of snake rattlesnakes in it and it was going to cure you and numb you and the US government did a study of it Uh-oh. they they analyzed it and it had like mineral oil turpentine <gasps> beef fat and red chili peppers <laughs> yeah. in it basically in camp so no snake no snake no, no oh, snake no, what i meant is it's for oiling up your snakes <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> keep your snakes shiny. keep your snakes right. lubricated so they can't so they can't constrict you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so you'd slip <laughs> So in my research, I found out that when they busted him on this, on it not having any um, actual snake in it, they fined him 20 whole dollars. for, <laughs> <Only>? for <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then after that, the term snake oil kind of came into usage, popular yeah. usage, as being a fake right. tonic. Mm-hmm. Well, Tiger Bomb doesn't have tiger in it. Yeah, but it wasn't represented as having tiger in it. Yeah. Baby <laughs> oil has very little baby. <laughs> yeah. These days. Yeah, these days. These days. Yeah, extremely. Day. It's a lot of baby extracts. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Coca-Cola. <laughs> right, yeah. There's just a little bit of cocaine. Yeah. So a little bit of baby in the baby oil. Yeah. But not nearly it's what it used negligible. to be. Yeah. Yeah, Trace. Yeah, yeah. Trace amounts of baby. Yeah. So that was called a patent medicine. It's just basically a tonic or an elixir or something that people claim takes care of your ailments, whatever they may be. And there's this mm-hmm. kind of famous one that emerged during Prohibition. It was created before Prohibition, but it really became popular during Prohibition called um, Jamaica Ginger or Jake. You might have heard that. People mm. drinking Jake during the Prohibition when I've they weren't allowed. Before. And like know blues songs from. and things like that. And it comes up in blues songs yeah. for very good reason, actually. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> Jamaica Ginger is ginger extra. But in order to break down the ginger, they put it in 70 to 80% per volume alcohol. So it's, it will get you drunk if you drink a lot of it. Mm. And they were selling it as a medicine. So it's not against the law. Uh. You can drink this. But the government, the U.S. Treasury Department caught on to this. And they were like, wait a, wait a minute. And so they required that you put in a lot more ginger, a lot more ginger solid into it. And it made it basically undrinkable at a big ah. dose. Mm. Could, then, you could drink enough to get drunk, you mean? Well, it, it, yeah, it would be very hard because <laughs> ginger is potent. And it, yeah. you can... So you can drink a lot of it, but you can't feel your mouth. So to get around that, bootleggers, (laughs) they're like, all right, well, it needs to have this much solid in it. And so they they tried putting different things in it, like molasses or castor oil or that kind of thing to thicken it up. So if you boiled off all the alcohol, what's left is the solid. And they had to get to a certain percentage, basically. This big distributor of, of Jake figured out, oh, I could put in this, this plasticine, this ingredient that gets used in varnishes and industrial cleaners. And it was supposed to be non-toxic and it doesn't have like a strong flavor and it boils down nicely. Like, so the treasury department won't, their alarm bells won't start going off. So they put it in there and this Jake was really popular and a lot of people drank it. And then there started to be this thing called Jake leg or Jake walk. <laughs> and they figured oh, no. out that it wasn't non-toxic at all, that it no. actually would like give you nerve damage and oh, you'd start losing no. fe- like yeah. feelings in your fingers and your toes oh, and your extremities. I saw some reports that said 30,000 to 50,000 people got nerve damage from this. And then I saw another thing that said 100,000 people got damaged. Apparently, he had enough ingredients to make 500,000 bottles of it. And there were stories about like a women's bridge group that they all got it. And they the trick with this and why they couldn't track it down and it went on for, for years was because people felt embarrassed or they didn't want to say mm, why they were getting sick. Yeah, right. And so they'd yep. say, oh, I had a stroke or oh, like... <laughs> like not, they, not, oh, I've been ODing on... Uh, yeah, on- oh, We've like been medicine. spiking the punch with ginger with, alcohol right, yeah. with Jake. Yep. 
And so there's all sorts of blues songs about having oh, having Jake legs. I think I always just thought that Jake just meant like moonshine. I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's a very specific wow. type of kind of moonshine. Although they didn't brew it in bathtubs or anything like that. It was actually distributed as a medicine. Which makes but... you think it's more credible and, and legit, you know? So I found a blues song about Jake. Once I really understood what it was about, it was like, this song is sad. It's okay. really bluesy. So we'll play a little bit for you guys. I can't eat, I can't talk, I've been a-drinking this jig until now I can't walk. Come here, mama, hold me by the hand, I'm a jig ball papa from a jig ball plant. There you go. That's a wow. flavor. It's called Jake Walk Papa by Asa Martin. So they linked it. They figured it out, but they weren't they weren't even able to get a full understanding of what happened until the 70s because huh. of the stigma from prohibition and, uh. and not being able to talk about what why people might be sick and, and being able to like really research. And it also affected poor people and immigrants and people in the South. And it's yeah. supposed to cure you. We sit here and we laugh at this stuff, but then like, you know, our grandchildren are going to be thinking back like, oh my God, can you? <laughs> believe that people actually drank Capri Sun? <laughs> yeah. Ecto cooler my butt. They're going like, to be like 150 years old. I can't believe they actually drank that stuff. When you have, uh, you know, it's the 1800s and you've got your um, crazy non-medicine that you've just mixed up out of a bunch of random things you found around lying on the ground. It's like liquid sausage, you know, liquid mystery meat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, well, how do you get it out there to people? There's no television to advertise on and things of that nature so you have a good old-fashioned medicine show yeah. for your patent medicine you know i mean it's, it's it's just like the stereotype in american culture of dr feel good or dr good time or dr john <laughs> going around on the covered wagon and you know jumping out in the middle of the town square and delivering a stem winding speech about the benefits of this medicine and you know reading testimonials and things of that nature and selling it and then getting in the wagon and getting out of town before anybody realizes anything is amiss. So they're um, con men. Well, yes. <laughs> so let me read you. This is a this is a great this is a great old description of a classic old medicine. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So um a valuable brain tonic and a cure for all nervous affections. Sick headache, neuralgia, hysteria, melancholy, etc. <laughs> Does anybody want to venture a guess as to what medicine this is describing? This is oh. an old newspaper ad. Al- uh, Alka-Seltzer. Not Alka-Seltzer. Heroin. No. Is it actually like a good medicine That's or actually a bad, bad guess. <laughs> it didn't do anything bad to you. Dr. Pepper. It's actually Coca-Cola. Oh. It's an old ad for Coca-Cola. <laughs> it goes nice. on. The valuable tonic and nerve stimulant properties of the coca plant and the cola nuts. Oh, it did have yes. coca stimulant yeah. in yeah. it, though. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then down below it says, invigorating with consumed with a sandwich of hamburg steak and fried root of the potato plant. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> okay, that, that part that part, is, that part is a lie when i was talking to my fiance regina about doing medicine shows I had, she had the exact same reaction that karen and dana both did which was like oh you're gonna talk about er and house <laughs> yes, and Grey's anatomy ER. <laughs> i do love er no i'm talking about the the companies that were established around you know traveling around doing old-timey medicine show well, at the time it was contemporary medicine <laughs> um and karen you're really gonna love this uh what I, this kept coming up in my in my research the the most well-known most famous brand of these patent medicines medicine shows was called the i swear to you the kickapoo indian medicine company (laughs) kickapoo indian now the kickapoo indians there were there was actually a kickapoo indian tribe the kickapoo indian medicine company had nothing whatsoever (laughs) to do with the actual indian tribe uh they were a company that was established in connecticut and basically they had come up with what they called Kickapoo Indian Sagwa. It was a salve. It was a mm-hmm. salve, an ointment to rub anywhere and cure anything. <laughs> and it actually, this is the early, early 1900s. It had one of the earliest celebrity endorsements oh. um, of any product anywhere. It was not the earliest, but it was super early. Buffalo Bill Cody himself, oh, a nice. uh, famous Wild West showman, said... Kickapoo Indian Sagwa is the only remedy the Indians ever use and has been known to them for ages. An Indian would as soon be without his horse, gun, or blanket as without Sagwa. (laughs) No American Indian, Native American tribes has ever, ever heard of it. But they would hire Native Americans Uh or people to dress as Native Americans to ride around on the wagon. 
uh-huh. and stand there and look very solemn, right? And, right. And nod, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, as the pitch man was was False giving his, was giving his speech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. there it must, be, it must be true. The guy's standing right yeah. there. Yeah. There there wasn't a whole lot of legal regulations about like you know saying what drugs can do. So one of the other things that I found was uh, one of their popular products was called Kickapoo Indian Worm Killer. And they take out newspaper ads saying, parents, does your child suffer from whatever made up disease? You know, then he probably has worms. (laughs) Yes, worms are infesting your child. But if you give him the Kickapoo Indian worm killer, the worms will be expelled from the body. And a couple of sources would say that what was in these pills that they would take would be worms. Yeah. So basically, some of these would contain like a laxative. And they they would contain a really 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 tightly wound ball of string. <laughs> okay. So like okay. you would very very quickly poop a string, <laughs> which you would you would not want to look too closely at it. And you'd be like, oh, I had a tapeworm, yeah. and a okay. tapeworm in my stomach. Right. I'm glad it was a string and not worms. Yeah. Like right, not actual worms. not actual worms, no, <laughs> okay. but, but string. I would like to say something in defense, or at least in partial defense, of snake oil and and these and sagba sure. and things of that nature. Uh, they are at least harmless. They are mixtures of ordinary sort of herbs and oils and things that don't do anything to you. It, it, there's a placebo effect. Sure. You, you think you're going to get better. Sure. This is proven. You you know some people will actually get better. Okay, maybe they're being faked into thinking that, but at least it's not doing anything bad to you. And remember. A century or two ago, if you decided to not go to the the medicine show and went to an actual doctor, that actual doctor might more likely than not give you a bunch of straight up poison to drink. Um, mm-hmm. one of, in pre Civil War America, one of the really popular medications that I was reading about is called calomel. It had been used for centuries. That uh, sounds nice. Par- Paracelsus, yeah. the the Renaissance era physician, had been a devotee of this. So, so centuries. And and even in you know early America, they were still giving people calomel. Hmm. You should drink calomel for all your problems. Okay, great. What's calomel? Oh, it's uh, mercury chloride. No. Oh. So people are just chugging down mercury for anything. People are using it as a preventative. Women were baking it into breads <gasps> because even if you weren't sick, oh, we'll just put the calomel <laughs> yeah. in the bread to prevent us from getting sick. Oh. And you'd lose your hair Shiny and you'd bread. lose your teeth. <laughs> This is a quote from American physician John Warren in 1813, who, excuse me, not a quote, but a, a paraphrase, who said, basically, look, if you want to counter violent fevers, you have to use violent drugs. <laughs> so, like, they knew it was doing bad things to them, but they were like, well, clearly it's working really hard to get everything up. There was a yellow fever outbreak in Philadelphia in the late 1700s, and uh, calomel was basically what was prescribed for everybody. So, and calomel would start, you know, the mercury would start making you, like, salivate a lot. Then you'd mm. vomit, and you'd be vomiting black stuff, and they'd be like, "Oh, you're purging the black all the bad bile. Bile. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, no, you have yellow fever, and now you also have mercury poisoning. That didn't go so well. Eventually, they got yeah. rid of that. Now, what was considered to be the last of the great medicine shows in America was a product called Hadacol, and this was <laughs> called Hadacol, and it was very popular in the 1940s and 1950s. This is a fascinating story. Buckle up. Okay. Okay. Hadakal was the brainchild of a of a sitting United States senator named Dudley J. LeBlanc. A doctor had given him B vitamins, and he was like, actual medicine. And he was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, I feel really good. I'm going to bottle, you know, B vitamins and sell them as medicine. And he had the Hadakal Goodwill Caravan. This was the this was the traveling show. And this was huge. They would tour the American South. And they would bring in thousands of people. There was one report I saw that said they would have like 10,000, 12,000 people go to one of these things. Whoa. The admission to the show was two Hadakal box tops. <laughs> one for children. <laughs> if you imagine that they to even get in here, they had to buy the product in the first place just to go and get the product sold to them, basically. And he would have Judy Garland, Milton Berle, Bob Hope, Lucille Ball. Everybody. Show. If you were famous yeah. in Hollywood at that time, 40s, early 50s, you'd be performing in this big old show. Oh, yeah, they'd get a stadium, you know, the biggest things they could do. There were songs that were written about Hadakal, just like Jake, you know, the Hadakal boogie. That everybody mm-hmm. loves that Hadakal. There was a comic book, Captain Hadakal, nice. about a young man wow. who drinks Hadakal and suddenly becomes a superhero. <laughs> and they're just 
vitamin B. Yeah, well, it's not just vitamin B. There's there's vitamin B, and then there's a bunch of alcohol. <laughs> there was about twelve percent alcohol. So, just one box, one box top for kids. Uh, just <laughs> like, yeah, just exactly. For- this was post prohibition, but there were still a lot of dry counties in the South sure. where you couldn't get booze, and sure. so they loved Hadakal. They had testimonial letters from parents in this comic book telling, saying like how they gave Hadakal to their kids, and their kids now feel great. No duh, and. <laughs> And they, it says, like, kids, show these letters to your parents. So you'd show the letter to the parents so the parents would get convinced shameless. that they had to. Absolutely shameless. And this, I mean, this also fell victim to the U.S. government coming in and saying, yeah, you well, cannot. Good. You're making all these claims about what this thing does. Because by now it's the 50s. And they're like, you cannot make all of these claims. It doesn't do any of this. It's just B vitamins and and booze, you know? <laughs> uh, but my favorite, favorite part of this insane story is the name Hadakal, which there's there's an explanation for how it got its name, and it's not that interesting. But whenever they asked Senator Dudley J. LeBlanc why it got that name, he would say, and I love him for this, <laughs> well, I had to call it something. Uh, 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 <laughs> I thought at first it was like Haddock, like the fish. Oh, oh like Haddock Hall, H-A-D-A-C-O-L. Uh, like alcohol from the haddock fish mm, fish a hall <laughs> <laughs> did you see the thing the elixir that people used to give to kids they had a picture of a fairy just pouring it into a baby <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, like it says that you don't know how much to give to anybody <laughs> no no concept of a dosage no <laughs> send your baby off to fairyland <laughs> this is Winslow's soothing syrup, <laughs> and it's just like she's not a fairy, but kind of looks like it a looks fairy. Like she just poured it in there. Over yeah. The yeah. Now, what's in soothing syrup? Morphine sulfate, chloroform, morphine, <laughs> codeine, heroin, <laughs> codeine and heroin, <laughs> powdered should, opium, cannabis indica, and combinations of these. Morphine cannabis. <laughs> Sounds like a party in a bottle. I know. Oh my god! <laughs> Kick back with that and some Jake. What is it? Yeah, <laughs> soothing syrup and Jake. This I got is Winslow's soothing syrup. Be soothed for weeks. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping family road trip trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults. It doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. So if I have one takeaway from that segment, it's don't drink mercury. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely oh, not. I talked about it before. We have talked about it before. Yeah, but I mean, it's important enough to hit over and over yeah. again. Yeah, public service announcement. We've specifically talked about it before, Karen. We talked about uh, Emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang, yes. right? And he was uh, emperor from 259 to 210 BC. And he was he was kind of a big deal. He was sort of the first emperor that really kind of unified all of China. And what's funny to me... Uh, about him is we've talked how he died before. So let's just cut to the end very quickly. He died by ingesting mercury as part of a way of finding an elixir of life. You know, mm-hmm. this was just an obsession of his was I, you know, I want to be immortal. I want to see my <laughs> my rule never end. The irony is that over the course of his rule, he survived a lot of assassination attempts and coups. And what brought him down was his own doctors and his own alchemists yep. and his own oh. uh, physicians. Irony. 
irony, mercury. Mercury. <laughs> I was reading a little bit more about his story about specifically the circumstances of his death. He was out away from court when he actually died. He was out and he took some mercury pills that his team of physicians had prepared for him. Took the mercury pills, got gravely ill, and died <laughs> in no short order. And Very anticlimactic. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh crap, he died. Oops. So now what happened next was a weekend at Bernie's level of oh, no. farce to cover up the dead emperor. So now, as I said, he had survived a lot of assassination attempts, and, you know, he was a unifier. There were a lot of people who would have been seeking to take his place as soon as they found out that he was dead. So I mentioned they were on the road. They were away from the seat of power. So all of his advisors, you know, and his right-hand men, they didn't want word to get out that the emperor had died because they were afraid of what was going to happen to this power vacuum. Yeah. So they continued their tour out in the countryside. So, you know, they're carrying the emperor in the little box, you know, with the oh. servants. They would dress him up in new clothes. Oh. They would prop him up so that you could sort of look through the window and oh, see that there was somebody no. in the carriage. But the, you, they wouldn't let you get too close. No. And no one could. I mean... Nobody except yeah. the most trusted advisors, yeah. right? No because as they're traveling right. so through it villages... Out, it wasn't out of the ordinary. Right, that's true. Yeah, it's not like commoners in, in a village are running up to the carriage. Yeah, uh, high-fiving. But so, I mean, this is in the middle of summer. He died. Oh. They're traveling around and oh, it started no. to smell really bad. Bet it did. Yeah. Really bad. So this is the solution they came up with. As they're traveling around... Dryer sheets. They apparently, yeah, they they wrapped him in dryer sheets. They apparently, the account goes, they got a cart full of rotting fish. Two carts. Uh, Two carts full of rotting fish. Yes. And had one cart ahead of the emperor's carriage. One cart behind the emperor's carriage to, uh, you know, do their best to mask the odor of decay. No, because if you, no, because then if you saw, you would see the carts of rotting fish. And you'd be like, oh, well, that's just the rotting fish. Yeah. But no one yeah. would question why Why is he sandwiched by two carts of rotting fish? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's, he's the emperor, man. The emperor's yeah, whims. Yeah. Whatever his, he wants. brown M&Ms. They would bring meals up to his ca- up oh, to his carriage yeah. and, you know, take away plates and things like that. So that yep. even people in the in the retinue wouldn't necessarily catch on. <laughs> oh, they would oh They would stage fake meetings, yeah. you know, where the advisors would come up and pretend to be talking with him and, yeah. you know, go away afterward. This went on for two months. What? That is so long. (laughs) Until they got back to a seat of power where they felt comfortable enough to kind of announce, okay, yes, the emperor died. Uh, I don't know if they said that it was their fault for giving him mercury or not. Uh, I don't think they can trace it back then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, I'm sure. Well, also, they didn't know it was harmful. They thought it was going to help him. They thought he died And also, he's been ingesting mercury all this time, too. Like, it wasn't just those two pills made him die during his reign while he was alive he would take a lot of mercury and it just builds up and i mean it was it was just totally magical and mystical and i can believe it i mean it's metal it's liquid at room temperature maybe i'll drink it and live forever i I think that's why we have to keep reiterating you're not supposed to drink it because it's so pretty and you want to put it in your mouth yeah you want to and you know if the emperor tells you he wants to drink it you're gonna let him drink it right All right. Well, my research, I kind of took a different angle. Uh, We're going to talk about some movie and TV stuff. Um, I was originally going to do a TV doctor or movie doctor quiz, uh, but I found this instead and I thought it was really interesting. So I'm going to ask you guys a few quiz questions. Uh, Have your buzzers ready. They're not a lot. And there there is a theme and and we can talk about that because it is a fascinating industry. Okay. So here's first question. All right. What actress uttered the line... Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher. Okay, yes, right. Carrie Fisher as uh, Princess Leia. Yes. Good job. All right. Second question. What famous movie director has dated Kathy Griffin, comedian, <laughs> uh, another comedian, Margaret Cho, and actress Mira Sorvino? Wow. Oh. Actually, Margaret Cho wrote about him in her book a lot. I'll guess Woody Allen. (laughs) No. No. Quentin Tarantino? Yes. Quentin Tarantino. Not no, he dated Kathy Griffin. That's crazy. I cannot even picture what they would do on a date. Very talkative. (laughs) That's true, you're right. Two kind of redheaded people just yapping about. (laughs) All right. What famous TV show creator had lead characters Malcolm Reynolds, Echo, and Cordelia Chase featured in his shows. Dana. Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, correct. Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Oh, yes, yes, Mal. 
Echo from Dollhouse and Cordelia Chase from Buffy, Buffy and Angel. And Angel, yes. Okay. All right, last question. Another TV show creator, his TV shows took place in a sketch comedy studio and in the White House and in a oh. newsroom. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. Yes, Aaron Sorkin. So we have Aaron Sorkin, Quinn Tarantino, Carrie Fisher, mm. and Joss Whedon. Oh. They have all been script doctors for a very long time. Actually, Carrie Fisher is the the big surprise one. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. What is a script doctor? Oh, I'm so happy you asked. (laughs) Uh, Script doctors are uh, script consultants who help polish or finish up or tighten up maybe dialogue for an already greenlit or, or written script. That they just needed right, right. a little bit of polish. However, Punch it up a, little. a lot of their work is uncredited because they don't really change that much of it. They're mm-hmm. not necessarily rewriting mm-hmm. scripts. But in the Writers Guild of America for like screenwriting, there's a really complicated crediting process. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you can't, you know, just because you wrote a line, it's not like your name's going to be in the credits. Like, uh, I, according to the rule, a screenwriter has to contribute more than 50% of the original screenplay or 33% of adaptation. So if it was from okay. a book or from some somewhere else that they would actually get their name onto the credit. Right. So a lot of these people, you know, as they're working, hustling, trying to become a successful script writer or whatnot or director, they pick up a lot of freelance gigs, I guess, as script consultants, but they're all kind of secretive mm-hmm. and no one knows. They only kind of show up maybe after these people become famous and they're, they mention it in interviews. So here's a rundown of the things that they've actually worked on. Aaron Sorkin, obviously famous for, well, currently in the newsroom on HBO, sure. but like there's a few good West Wing. and West Wing. West Wing, definitely. And Social Network, which he won an Academy Award for. So mm-hmm. he actually script doctored Schindler's List, hmm. The Rock, hmm. doing some polish. Get that and, rapid fire dialogue down. Mm-hmm. And Joss Whedon has done so much script doctoring. Now he's famous for like, oh, Mr. Avengers, Mr. Cabin in the Woods, you know, Mr. Buffy. But before as he's, he's working in, in Hollywood, he did a lot of punching up scripts. Such as Speed, mm. starring our favorite Keanu Reeves. <laughs> nice. He actually worked on Waterworld, which is a, <laughs> wow. a weird one. <laughs> I think I had read that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were there were like thirty people who worked. Yeah, on that. <laughs> I'm sure there were a lot of people. Quinn Tarantino spruced up. It's Pat. <laughs> I have heard that. Isn't yes. that crazy? Yep. Well, it's Pat was, for those of you uh, who mm-hmm. either don't remember or was born afterwards, <laughs> was a movie inspired by the Saturday Night Live character Pat, who is androgynous. Right. But anyway, somehow a movie was made. And Quentin Tarantino uh, did some script polishing. I, I think it, like that's a good example, too, where maybe some of these are, they don't necessarily want their name attached to these movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but also, they're working up the ladder. That's you true. Know? That's yeah. true. You got to start somewhere. You gotta, yeah. mm-hmm. so, someone's got to write It's Pat. But Carrie Fisher. I did, like, yeah. I yeah. No what has she worked on? Like, good, big hits. Hook. Remember oh, yeah. Hook? Yeah. Yes. She worked on Hook. She also worked on Sister Act, another big hit. Crazy. And The Wedding Singer, ah, starring Adam Sandler. You know, I just read the other day that M. Night Shyamalan said he ghost wrote, or he did oh, like, the script yeah. polish, on She's All That. Yes. And that was the same year he or did he Sixth said Sense. He, he said he ghost wrote it. He said which he is, ghost wrote it, but yeah, he has a polish right. credit on it. She's All That was good. That was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. She's All That So there you go. I think for me, the draw is it's secretive. You know, people don't really talk about it until maybe they've made it mm-hmm. or, or it was mentioned in an interview. If you are a script doctor, Dear listener, send us some factoids. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So there was something I almost talked about on our episode on Creepy Crawlies several episodes back. <laughs> yes. uh, and I decided to shelve that for a future conversation, which is now today. Oh, uh, how fortunate. And that oh, Creepy oh, Crawly oh. is leeches. Oh, yes. very creepy and it, very Just crawly. everything about it. The way they look, uh, the way they kind of slither yeah. around. I've never touched one, but I imagine the way they touch would creep me out. And, of course, the fact that they suck the blood out of your body. Yeah. Right. Now, they and actually slugs. do. Now, you're, you're probably, you might mention that they there are there are some, like, actual good medicinal applications. Yeah, well, you know, I want to talk about the history here. Yeah. So, I want to talk specifically about bloodletting, just in okay. general. You know, I mean, leeches were uh, a tool in the bloodletter 
Wars uh, toolkit. Um, but, you know, going back in terms of just the craziest bad medicine and bad uh, treatments, I can think of trepanation, trepanning, yeah. which is... Oh, yeah. Drilling a hole in your head. Yeah. Right? So the bad spirits will fly out? Sure. Bad spirits, evil humors, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Brain. Brain. And then bloodletting as yeah. well, which goes, I mean, way back to ancient times. Mm. I mean, and I always think when we talk about bad medicine, it's always a red flag for me if something is described as a cure for virtually everything. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's you open up a vein, cut a hole, and let some blood out until you've reached whatever the prescribed amount of blood to be lost is. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's not like the blood is bad. Like, well, or, or you have bad blood, therefore you are ill. Well, so, you know, I mean, there's like the theory of the four humors, right? Of, yeah. you know, that everything, every ill in the body is a result of the imbalance of blood, phlegm, black bile, uh, yes. or yellow bile. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you had too much blood and out of balance, you would release some blood. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, wow. The range of things, this is going back again to ancient Egyptians. I mean, everything could be cured by bloodletting. Headaches, indigestion, hemorrhoids, gout, <laughs> acne. I mean, listlessness, <laughs> hyperactivity. I mean, the list of things that you could prescribe bloodletting for <laughs> is it? <laughs> Both listlessness and hyperactivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, it centers you. It centers <laughs> you. And yeah, as I say, I mean, you know, separate from knives or needles, uh, leeches were a great tool for bloodletting because, you know, you could put them on and they work <laughs> fairly fast. You know, if you put a leech on, it'll suck uh, easily its weight in blood. And uh, they can't suck anymore because then it's too full. Uh, they do reach a point where they are satiated and full of blood. <laughs> Every few hundred years, there would kind of be a resurgence in the leech fad and phenomenon. It leech really... Beat magazine. <laughs> <laughs> leech Beat. There was a huge resurgence in leeching as a therapeutic or medicinal treatment in the 19th century, particularly in Europe. There were reports of millions of leeches being imported specifically for the purpose... From where? Leeching treatments. Oh, hey, you know, the <laughs> leeching centers of the world, Karen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say leechington or whatever, like as you were saying. Oh, leechenstein. Yeah. Oh, that's where it comes from. Yeah, leechenstein. Uh, leechenstein. I like that. And there is no really good evidence that leeching cures headaches or indigestion or gout or scurvy or hemorrhoids or any of these things that they claimed it would. And leeching did sort of really fall out of favor uh, oh. after, after the 19th century, at least in the way that I was describing it, as a yes. way of bloodletting and releasing bad blood or toxins in the system. And Chris, you were, I think, you know, maybe getting at this at the top of the segment, which is in starting around in the 1980s, when they really got to what? advancements in surgery, yes. particularly oh. what they call microsurgeries, uh, which is surgeries like down at the, the vein and capillary level, and reattachment surgeries. Mm. You know, someone has a hand severed in an industrial mm. accident. They got to the point where, you know, I mean, once upon a time, you lose in a hand industrial accident. Well, you got a hook now for the rest of your life. Yeah. But it got to the point where it was like, no, we, we can reattach that hand if we keep it viable. They discovered that one of the one of the real pitfalls of these kind of surgeries was immediately after the surgery, you need to keep the tissue oxygenated with fresh blood. You need to make sure that none of the tissue dies or is rejected by the body or clots up and can lead to all kinds of complications. And what doctors and surgeons discovered was if you attach leeches on the attached or reattached surgery, and here's the thing about leeches. When leeches kind of settle in for a meal and they're going to suck your blood, they secrete a natural anticoagulant mm -hmm. to to sort of liquefy the blood, make it easier for them <laughs> to, to grease, suck To up. grease the wheels yeah. of <laughs> industry and <laughs> commerce. Yeah. yeah. They discovered that what you could do is attach this to reattach surgery and it would keep the blood from clotting. It would keep the blood uh -huh. liquid, keep it flowing through, and it would keep it alive and healthy enough that your body or the person ah! who undergone the surgery could sort of take over the rest from there. So, okay, okay. okay, this is what I'm picturing in my head. Uh -huh. So if my hand gets cut off yeah. on my arm stump, just on the <laughs> end, a whole bunch of leeches just there. Like, no, no, no. no. They, hopefully it's a nice clean cut. You've got a friend who can like put the hand on ice or something. Mm -hmm. They would reattach it for you and then immediately after or when you're ready, they would put the leeches on the reattached part of your hand to basically yeah. bring the blood through fresh from the healthy got part it, of your got body. It, got it, got it. So like a leech bracelet on the cut. <laughs> <laughs> And aside from that, the sessions sound very similar to an old-fashioned 1800s leeching. You know, they'll put the leeches on. It sounds like a leeching session, as I say, anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour, a couple hours. And mm. I learned also in the course of researching this, there's the difference between good leeches and bad leeches. Whoa. So there are some leeches that all they're interested in is eating the blood, or sorry, in sucking the blood. And when they reach their fill, they kind of stop. And then they'll either pop off on their own or you can pry them off. Mm. Bad leeches will eat not just blood, but tissue. 
And oh. so there are cases all through history of blood letters using bad leeches uh, instead of I, the good leeches. Are, are bad leeches and good leeches just differentiate by species or is yeah, it on a yeah. one by They're one just basis? Psychologically. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's oh, by type of leech. Okay. And yeah, and if you're getting your hand reattached in a uh, hospital, you can rest assured they're using yeah, the, my the fashionable good leech leeches. bracelet. <laughs> but the leeches can be used over and over again. It's yeah, a great thing. And yeah. they love it. Yeah, once they're hungry again, just put them back on a new reattached hand. <laughs> um, and I would like to say, I know what you're all thinking, and I, I did just confirm on the internet that yes, John Wayne Bobbitt did in fact use leeches to help oh. in the reattachment of, of his, his penis. Of yes. his of his penis. No, are you kidding? Because no. sometimes no. I can't no. tell. Yeah. No, 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 I'm serious. No, he did. This is that's a textbook case of where you would use the leeches. Yep. Right on the blood right flow. on your junk. Oh <laughs> my god. He was and I'm sure he was happy they were there. Whoa. So I think after the show we uh you guys up for some bloodletting? Yeah, let's go, do it. yeah. Bloodletting right. party yeah, 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 yeah. and go to the lake and dip our right. <laughs> go to leech in the box. Two leech tacos for ninety nine cents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways. Well that was a lot of bad medicine talk. And it was good bad medicine talk. Good yeah, yeah. good bad medicine. Circle back to the dog mafia. The dog father. It's like not oh, that dog father. Dog father. But I had to say it. That's the best one. Right. Okay. I'm glad we finally got to that okay, at just some point. Put a period on it. If you guys come up with a better one, let us know. We like puns. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. And to end our show, we have one non-topic quiz segment. Colin, you've prepared for us, right? I have. I have a quiz for you guys called X-Ray Yankee Zulu. Oh, okay. Which you may recognize are the uh, phonetic alphabet military codes for XYZ. Oh. Yeah, that's a fun one, too. This is good. So every answer in this quiz will start with a letter X, Y, or Z. Oh, wow. Okay. It's sort of my favorite. Just a little bit of grab bag, general trivia here. All right. So right off the bat. Wait, hold on. What's X, Y, and Z in the military codenames again? X-Ray, Yankee, Zulu. Zulu. Yeah. (laughs) And that's the the NATO alphabet, but it's kind of tweaked country to country. So that's U.S. Army. Okay. Mm -hmm. This well-known American company takes its name from Greek roots, meaning dry writing. Chris. Xerox. Correct. Oh. Yes. They, I was thinking graph, something ah, graph. They made up a word. They made up the word xerography. So <laughs> it's, it's a modern word. Yes. Right. Dry writing. Singer Freddie Mercury, famously of Queen, mm-hmm. was born in this country, which has since been renamed. Karen. Zanzibar. Yes, he was born in Zanzibar, oh, yes. which is now, or the part that he was born in is now Tanzania. Tanzania. Born in Zanzibar was a British protectorate. I did not know that. This C.D. Payne novel from 1993 tells the story of 14-year-old Nick Twisp. Whoa. It was made into a movie starring Michael Sarah a few years ago. Oh. Karen? Young... No. Youth Revolt. Youth in Revolt. Yes, Youth in Revolt. I got there somewhere. Yeah, set right here in the Bay Area. Yeah. This writer was one of the leaders of the French naturalist movement, and in 1898 famously wrote the J'accuse letter. Oh, is that from... Where's J'accuse? Oh... Remember the category. Xavier (laughs) Yves. We'll go for his last name. I'm looking for his last name. Oh. I have no idea. Yeah. Emil Zardoz. Zola. Zola. Uh, yes. This noble gas, recognizable by its distinctive blue glow when stimulated, found a popular use in headlamps for cars. And, uh, 
Karen. Xenon. Xenon. With yes. an X. With, with an X. Not a Z. <laughs> yes. Not to be confused with Xena, the warrior princess. <laughs> this fictional outlaw is named after the Spanish word for fox. Oh. Dana. Zorro? Zorro. Oh. Absolutely right. And he's kind of foxy, crafty. Yeah. yeah. No, no. If I were to attribute Zorro to an animal, it would be a fox. Or Or a raccoon. Black. Yeah. Yeah. It's something with a mask. Yeah. Anyways. Masky. All right. Last one. We'll close it out here. Established in 1872, this is not just the first national park in the U.S., but is considered the first national park in the world. Yosemite. Yosemite. Oh, no. Yellowstone. Zion. Zion. Whoa, hey, whoa. We got a lot of uh, answers on the table. I think Chris was in first. I said said Yosemite. Incorrect. Okay. Zion. Incorrect. No, Yellowstone. Correct. Wow. Yeah, I was hoping to throw you guys off there. That was good. Um, There you go. Wait, so what was the right answer? There's so many Yellowstone. 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 Not Jellystone. Not Jellystone. Not Jellystone. Yeah, Yellowstone National Park. But with a Spanish accent. Oh, yeah. Yellowstone. 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 All right. Oh, that was pretty hard, actually. I thought it was going to be a quiz about the names for the letters. That's a fun separate quiz. Yeah, we should work on that. Because that actually does come up. We have had that. We absolutely have had, yeah, like what's the code for H or yeah, whatever it is, yeah. I only know Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. I know from Dollhouse. Yes. You probably know more than you know. You know Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's our show, everybody. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learn a lot about snake oil and about (laughs) mixing vitamin Bs with alcohol to give it to children, (laughs) uh, script doctors, and uh, the very now uh, nice leeches. I would say they'd be nice now. Yeah. And you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and also on our website, which is goodjobbrain.com. And check us out on Twitter and Facebook as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 Don't drink the mercury. No. <laughs> so pretty. It's Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.